Pastor Xavier Reese talks about the incredible gift that only God can give. The work of salvation has been prepared by Jesus and no one is at any disadvantage for all are saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves, the gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. The way has been made, has been prepared. Now, you can believe it, but if you don't act upon it, you're dead. You have to believe, you have to act upon it for it to affect you. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Revenge can be an all-consuming preoccupation that was never intended for believers to pursue. Well then, what's the alternative? Today, Pastor Xavier takes us to the book of Deuteronomy as he helps us discover the grace and forgiveness for our shortcomings that's available through Jesus Christ. Let's listen. I've entitled the message, Christ is our refuge city. What we want to do is look at our text here in Deuteronomy 19, 1 through 13, and look at these refuge cities from three perspectives. The proclamation of the refuge cities, first of all, will be in verses 1 through 4 and 7 through 9. And then secondly, the administration of the refuge cities. And you find this in verses 5 and 6, in verses 11 through 13. And then we want to finish off thirdly with application of the refuge cities. Because remember, the scriptures tell us that all things were written for our admonition, for our learning. There are all types of things, shadows to come, that we might see and apply them to our own life. That's why I love the Old Testament. It's just tremendous. The application is so practical. Let me read the text and then we'll take one at a time. When the Lord your God has cut off the nations whose land the Lord your God has given you and you dispossess them and dwell in their cities and in their houses, you shall separate three cities for yourself in the midst of your land which the Lord your God has given you to possess. You shall prepare roads for yourself and divide into three parts the territory of the land which the Lord your God has given you to inherit, that any manslayer may flee there. And this is the case of the manslayer who flees there, that he may live. Whoever kills his neighbor unintentionally, not having hated him in times past, as when a man goes to the woods with his neighbor to cut timber, and his hand swings the stroke with the axe to cut down the, the tree, and the head slips from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies. He shall flee to one of these cities and live. Lest the avenger of blood, while his anger is hot, pursue the manslayer and overtake him, because the way is long and kill him, though he was not worthy of death, since he had not hated the victim in times past. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall separate three cities for yourself. Now, if the Lord your God enlarges your territories, as he swore to your fathers, giving you the land which he promised to give to your fathers, and if you keep all these commandments and do them, which I command you today to walk always in his ways, then you shall add three more cities for yourself besides these three lest innocent blood be shed in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God has given you to an, as an inheritance, and thus blood guiltiness be upon you. But if anyone hates his brother, lest uh, lies in wait for him, rises against him, and strikes him mortally, so that he dies and he flees to one of these cities, then the elders of the city shall send him and bring him from there and deliver him over to the hand of the avenger of blood, that he may die. Your eyes shall not pity him, 
but you shall put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel, that it may go well with you. Let's look at the proclamation of the refuge cities, which is found in verses 1 through 4 and 7 through 9. Two important things here. First, the Lord would be the one to cut off the nations. And this is a repeated thing as we've been going through the teachings. It would be God who would do it. How often we forget and how often we need to be reminded that it is God who's doing and it will do everything in our lives that's going to be of any effect and of any value. But secondly, the people would be the ones to receive the benefit. But that's like God, isn't he? He always does the work and then he lets us have the benefit. <laughs> Notice secondly in verse 2 and also verse 7 and 9, the instructions were to separate three cities in the midst of the land. The three cities mentioned were to be in the land of promise, verses 2 and also verse 7. Canaan, okay, that would be the west side of Jordan. Right now they are on the east side before they cross Jordan. In Numbers 35, verses 13 through 14, the provisions for three other cities were in the event that God enlarged their boundaries. We also find them here in verses 8 and 9. The six cities covered Canaan, the promised land, and three on the west side, the Transjordan side. Numbers 35, 13 through 14 also tells us that. Now, the six cities were not only for the children of Israel. We would think that God is making provisions for Israel, and Israel's exclusive, right? But was that from the beginning with the promise of Abraham? No. God says, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. From the beginning, God had the Gentiles in mind. All were included, Jew, Gentile. How interesting. Now, notice, first of all here, beginning of verse 3, that the person that was a manslayer was to flee there. The person who accidentally or intentionally killed a man, he was to flee there. We'll make the distinction as we go through. So he knew that if a murder took place, he had to right away, not go back home to get some clothes, but take off. Go to the city of refuge. Now, the avenger of blood was the one who was duty-bound by law to avenge the murder of the relative. He was called the kingsman Goel. Okay? Now, the manslayer was to flee to the city of refuge that he might not die at the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. Uh, Numbers 35, 12 tells us that. So he was to run, and if he got to the city, he would be protected until he came before the congregation for the hearing. From the proclamation, we move to the administration of the refuge cities. And you find this in verses 5 through 6 and 10 through 13. Notice first in verse 5, the administration of the refugee first was involved in the protection of the innocent. It has been implied to this point. Now it's going to be stated. Verse 5, the case used here as an example is that of a man going out to cut a tree and he swings the axe and the head slips off and hits somebody in the head and he dies. Then he was immediately to flee to the city of refuge and live. The implication is the avenger of blood, as soon as he heard, he would take off after him to kill him. He was duty-bound to avenge his relative. But secondly, the punishment of the guilty was part of the administration, verses 11 and 12. In verse 11, the case in point is if a man hates his neighbor, lies in wait for him, rises against him, and strikes him mortally, 
so that he dies and he flees to one of the cities. This is premeditated murder. He's waiting for him. But this is nothing new, is it? Because God told Noah back in Genesis 9, 6 that whoever kills a man and sheds his blood, that man's blood must be shed for the shedding of innocent blood. But there's a greater and equally important reason. And we'll bring that out. So he has premeditated. He's killed this man. He flees to the city of refuge. And so he's protected from the manslayer. The avenger of blood comes and he says, this guy killed. He says, okay, wait. He says, so they're going to have the hearing. And after the hearing and the evidence, they find out that he's guilty. They take him to the city where he committed the crime and they hand him over to the avenger of blood and the avenger of blood kills the manslayer. And justice is done. Thirdly, in the administration, we have the proper procedure for justice. If we're going to have justice, then we have to see how just the procedure is, right? In verse 6, he tells us, Lest the, man, the avenger of blood, while his anger is hot, pursue the manslayer and overtake him, because the way is long, and kill him, though he was not worthy of death, since he had not hated him in times past. So he's innocent, okay? The manslayer was to flee, Lest that avenger of blood, being hot in anger, pursued him and kill him. And if he was innocent and he did catch him and he did kill him, now there really would be a crime because he was innocent. But in his hot anger, he killed him before the trial. Now the manslayer was to stand at the gate of the city, declare his case at the hearing of the elders of the city. Then they were to take him into the city as one of them and give him the place of safety to dwell with them. Joshua 20, verse 4 says that. So he'd run, he'd get there all out of breath and say, hey, listen, I'm in trouble. This is going on. They protect him. Then if the avenger of blood pursued him, they were not to deliver him into his hand because he struck his neighbor unintentionally. He didn't hate him before, Joshua 20, verse 5 says. Then the congregation would judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood according to the judgments of innocence or guilt, Numbers 35, 24. This is the administration of the refuge cities. Incredible. Now, we want to finish by looking at the application of the refuge cities because as we said in the beginning, the scriptures tell us that all things are written for our learning, for our admonition. They are types and shadows of things to come. And therefore, we want to study the Old Testament with application in mind. See, sometimes people may look at this and you read this and you say, well, that's great and fine, but that has no bearing upon me. Really? Well, we've looked at the first two points. Let's look at the application and see how they do apply to us. First of all, in the application of the refuge cities, the cities of refuge prefigure and are a type of Christ. First, the six cities were provided in provisions for what? For all. The children of Israel, the stranger, the sojourner, and anyone who killed a person accidentally. Numbers 35, 15 told us. Three on each side, prefiguring what? Jew and Gentile. Where was the promised land? On the west side. The east side was not the promised land. Half of Manasseh, Gad, and Reuben were cattle people. And they say, listen, this land's good. We don't want to go over. We compromise. But in typology, you have provisions for the Jew, provisions for the Gentile. How interesting. 
even to the letter, not only to Israel, but to the sojourner, to the stranger, whoever kills one. Jesus said that he came by the sending of the Father and that anyone that would come to him, he will in no wise cast them out in the Gospel of John. Anyone that would come to him, he would not cast them out. The repeated word, whosoever, is found in the New Testament. Whosoever will come, whosoever will drink. No one is excluded. Jesus is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter 3.9. And so the cities of refuge are a type of Christ. For who? For whosoever. Secondly, the refuge cities were the only place of refuge. No other would be a refuge city. No other could be declared to be a place of safety. Did not Jesus say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me in John 14, 6? Do you realize that in that statement, Jesus wiped out every religion, every philosophy, every ism? You talk about being narrow-minded. I will be as broad-minded as God is. Wow. Now, those words are either true or Jesus is the greatest liar that has ever existed. In Acts 4.12, there is no other name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved, the words of Peter. No other name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. Only way, only name. And then Paul tells us there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus in 1 Timothy 2.5. The only way, the only name, the only mediator. No other refuge city could do. Couldn't go to your parents' house. Couldn't go to your best friend's house. You had to go to the city of refuge. The only way. Secondly, the roads were a type of Christ also. In verse 3, they are declared there. There were to be three roads in Canaan and three in Transjordan, well prepared, equally distant, and marked out so that no one would be handicapped, hindered, or confused as to the way of refuge. Everything marked out real clear. The work of salvation has been prepared by Jesus and no one is at any disadvantage for all are saved by grace through faith that not of ourselves is a gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. The way has been made, has been prepared. The way and road had to be chosen and acted on based on the revelation that God had given. So with Christ being the substitute for man's salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the rights of God in him. Now, you can believe it, but if you don't act upon it, you're dead. The master can say, you know, I've heard this provision in the law, and I've seen this road once in a while in these signs, but I don't believe it. You're dead. You have to believe, you have to act upon it for it to affect you. The three roads represent the three persons of the Godhead that are involved in the salvation of man. Yet one God. Three roads, yet lead to the city. Right? The one city. The Father predestined and chose us from the foundation of the world. Before the foundation, Ephesians 1.4 says. The Son died for us as a gift of the Father, John 3.16. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and illuminates His Word that faith may be birthed in our life for salvation, Romans 10, 9 through 10 and 17. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. 
All three persons of the Godhead are involved in the salvation of man. The Father draws us, the Spirit convicts us, and the Son saves us. Interesting. Notice thirdly in the application, not only the refuge cities prefigure the type of Christ, and not only the roads are also type of Christ, but the requirements to abide till the death of the high priest before he could be free is also a type of Christ. First, Jesus is our refuge. And since he won't die again, we must abide in him forever to be protected. And the only dying that is to go on is the dying to self to experience the greatest freedom. John 15, 1 through 8, abide in me, for apart from me you can do nothing. He's our high priest. He's already died. We, in fact, are set free. But our refuge is he, the city of refuge Christ, and I flee to him. And I can only leave when he dies. Will he die again? No. So I'm to abide in him completely. The peace in our lives as we abide in Jesus Christ is not based on the fact that we are perfect or innocent of any sin, but that all our past sins have been blotted out and forgiven, justified, having made peace with God, Romans 5, 1 through 2. We still have sin nature, but we abide in Christ Jesus so that the sin nature does not bring forth the fruit and the works of death in our life. Fourthly, in type, the blood avenger or kinsman Goel is also a type of Christ. The law provided for the next of kin to redeem the relative that sold themselves into bondage. Remember that in Leviticus 25, 25? If you were the next of kin, you could redeem them out of bondage. The law also provided for the avenger of blood, as we've seen here in Deuteronomy 19.6. Those are the two types of kinsman redeemers or Goels. Now, the right of the blood avenger is rightly that of Jesus Christ. All of mankind is guilty before God. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have gone their own way, Romans 3, 10 through 12, and he's quoting the psalm there. All of us. Now, those that came and were to be pronounced innocent were those who truly were innocent. The distinction and contrast is here that every one of us who flees to Christ is guilty. But he dies in our place. He, the blood avenger, has the right and the authority to kill you, to kill me, to pour his wrath out upon us. But instead, he becomes our substitute and he allows the wrath of the Father to fall upon him that I might be set free. He becomes the propitiation for our sins and for the whole world, 1 John 2, 2. The result being that we are accounted as righteous because he has become our kinsman Goel redeeming us from the bondage of sin as well as from the avenger of blood. What was the token? The precious blood of Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 1.19. In fact, Jesus saves us from himself. He dies in our place. How interesting. There's one more application. It is the prohibition of having pity. In fact, he says, have no pity. In other words, don't show pity to the guilty party because it is a type of attempting to be more merciful and more gracious in God. And you find that in the last verse of our chapter. We looked at that. The tendency of human people is like we have today, our humanism. Oh, you can't kill them? Oh, yes, you can. And people are more lenient. But we don't have to go to the extreme of murder. 
Parents do that and ruin their children. Oh, I don't want to spank him. Look how darling he is. Well, spank his darling bottom. You ruin them. Where there are no consequences, authority is destroyed and society is ruined. I hope you've learned that as parents about your children. If your children run your home, you know you've blown it. If you run your home, you know you've been obedient. Very interesting. We dare not allow any other way to God apart from Christ. Mary cannot get you there. Saints cannot get you there. Virgins cannot get you there. Works cannot get you there. Christ and Christ alone. We dare not lightly esteem sin, but it must be dealt with at the cross. It must be confessed to God and to God alone. And God is the one who gives the pardon. We dare not cheapen the grace of God so as to fulfill Dietrich Bonhoeffer's phrase, cheap grace. There must be true, genuine repentance for salvation, which is evident by being a new creation, a new creature. All things pass away, everything becomes new, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So forgiveness is between you and God. But then the evidence is for me to see that you are a new creature. And if I don't see a new lifestyle, then I can categorically conclude you are not born again. If I do see the change and I see God use you and then I see you go back into lifestyle, then you are backslidden and you are not abiding in Christ and you have to repent and return to Christ. There must be consequences for there to be authority. Now, sometimes things happen within the church and the Christian community that forgiveness is never the option. That's between you and God. But there has to be consequences, right? I have had to ask maybe two people to leave from the church. Because of the consequences. But God forbid that I should be more merciful, more graceful than God and not do so. I dare not be more merciful than God. Forgiveness is always to be extended. Consequences are always to be administered. If authority, God's authority, and the Scripture's authority are going to stand. So these are the applications of the refuge cities. Now do you see how they apply to your life and mine? We're kind of stuck, huh? We have to abide in Christ if we want to remain safe and protected. I don't try to take some R&R outside the cities. Oh, God help me. You know, whenever I do funerals, and I've been doing a lot of them lately, it's always interesting how people always say, well, you know, he, 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 he had committed his life to the Lord. He, he didn't. But, you know, I find out, well, how'd they die? Oh, well, they were drunk and they were driving. Oh, Really? I mean, really, all the rationale doesn't matter, does it? Because when a person dies, it makes no difference what we believe, whether he's saved or not. God knows. I'm not there to be persuaded or to persuade. I'm there to proclaim to the living the message of salvation. Nothing I can do for the dead. They're signed, sealed, and delivered. And I think of how many I have buried who have died without Christ, outside the walls and the gates of Christ tragic so we have looked at the refuge cities from three perspectives the proclamation of the refuge cities the administration of the refuge cities and the application of the refuge cities God has made such incredible provisions for each of us in Christ won't you flee to him he is your refuge city he is waiting for you if you do not know him if you know him 
then you need to abide in Him. Trust Him. Grow. Develop. Yield to Him. Obey Him. Abide. He's your only refuge. Him and Him alone. Pastor Xavier Reese with an encouraging reminder about the sufficiency of Christ. Now you can hear today's important message, Christ is Our Refuge City, again. It's available on CD for just $4. And this also contains what Pastor Xavier shared on this topic the last time we were together. Now the title to ask for once again is, Christ is Our Refuge City. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you tell us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Well, what are God's guidelines when it comes to divorce and remarriage? Same as they've been for thousands of years. Find out when you tune into the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 